Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. I recorded a perfectly fine and nice Stalin episode yesterday, and then I remembered that, uh, hey, it's our anniversary, actually. So, uh, on the second anniversary of the show, I would like to make a bit of a bit of a philosophical episode and uh, actually kind of pay some respect to our quality assurance guy, also made our logo, by the way, but uh, that's a long story. He does not want people to know his name, but uh, he's there. And he's been poking me around about uh, what I should be talking about for these past two years. Sometimes I've failed him, sometimes I've done good things, but uh, in general, we'll be talking about philosophy and uh, what, <laughs> what my friends want me to talk about here. What they think is important uh, that I tell the people. Special shout out, by the way, goes out goes to David from Texas who visited us today, because uh, I'm taking my driver's classes. I just just started really, and uh, David came over here from Texas, from Austin, Texas, and uh, we had a nice lunch. And it was really great. So hi, hi, David. Third and else, we will be sending out souvenirs shortly. I suppose in the fifteenth this month, or uh, and another batch in the first of the next month. So, if you're a Patreon supporter, or you have supported us through PayPal and haven't yet received your souvenirs, so please, uh, please do send your address to theeasternborder at gmail.com. When I will uh, send the souvenirs, I'll just look at the mail or Patreon messages, and then I'll just go from there. I missed uh, some the last time. I sent about, like, 15 packs of those. I don't know, really, but, uh, yeah, if you want your souvenirs, I need your address, so please provide it. But now on to the onto the important stuff. Uh, recently, um, I watched I watched the video. Really, I, I look a lot of I look at a lot of YouTube videos, and some of them are like in depth, kind of very philosophical video game analyses because I, I like that sort of thing. Because um, my master's was par, was partially about it. But um, in one of these things, uh, there's this person called Noah Noah Gervais, I suppose. He's American, yeah, but um. He makes these in-depth analyses of uh, video games. 
And uh, he compared uh, the old Prey video game to the new one. And you, you might ask, hey, what, what, what does this got to do with anything? But it does, really. And there he looked at how previously science fiction was like all about all about the global progress and, and, and uh, everyone living happily, kind of this, the positive science fiction at least, I'm not talking about dystopias here, um, like Huckle, like, like um, Harry Harrison or, or something like that. The people who painted a positive picture of the future, they always depicted, like, and, and Star Trek II, uh, everyone's living in this brand new world with, with all the fancy gadgets and toys and... Uh, if previously we looked at the future thinking that, hey, everyone's going to be prosperous, then, you know, right now it's it's not a race to get everyone to the top. It's a race to see who can get to the future first and sell tickets to the rest of us schmucks to get there. It's kind of interesting here. Uh, a nice idea that I heard on this video game analysis. It was um, It was about how, you know... Uh, in a fictional world, the company builds a space elevator, and uh, there's only that thing. There's only this one space elevator, even though there could be multiples, but just because they outbought everyone else. And why am I telling you this? It's because of company monopolies. Company monopolies in, uh, well, guess where? Russia. Uh, their oil prices, well, their gasoline prices, more likely, they have been rising constantly. And the Russian government is... Um, Kind of not answering these things because um, they want to keep their image positive. To keep their image positive, they are doing we all sorts of weird propaganda stuff, including something that directly affects my Stalin series and my historical work. You see, lately the Russian government have been burning and deleting historical documents, and this comes from the newspaper Kommersant and other mainstream actually mainstream Russian media pages, and it was first raised up by the um, by the uh, Russian Museum of Gulag. Because, turns out, in Russia, according to Putin's orders, the FSB have started to uh, burn and eliminate documents, these registration cards for people who were sent to Gulags, who were uh, oppressed, who fell under the purges. Yeah, so those are most of the time the only documents that some people actually have remaining so that you can learn about your relatives and what's happened there. And they're deleting them. They're also deleting all sorts of other documents pertaining to the to the era, pertaining to the uh, kind of kind of all this bad stuff. The USSR dead, what I'm talking about on the show. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to kind of gather them. I have some friends in Russia and Ukraine who are sending me their documents, and we have this uh, our own KGB Research Institute. But when you think about it, their government's the first to the top, and now they kind of, you know, they want to sell the tickets to the future, but they want to make their own. They want to make the new future for them by eliminating the past. They want to kind of rehabilitate the Soviet regime instead of <clears throat> instead of kind of accounting for what the Soviets did and taking responsibility for it, they'd rather just, you know, delete all the negatives and just position all the positives here. And obviously this is not meant for foreign people. This is this is for internal consumption. This is, uh, you know, how mo- most of propaganda gets, gets explained. But, um, but yeah, the Putin's government is now trying to basically make sure that in schools and in history documents and like everywhere that the people wouldn't find out about what it was actually like to live in the USSR 
that uh, that a lot of people didn't want to be there, that a lot of people really suffered from them. And I'm there on the other side, other side really. And at the same time, uh, they have this conglomerate. They have like four state-owned companies who run the oil business. What was it? Gazprom, Rosneft, Lukoil, and, and one other. I, I don't remember all of them, but essentially there, there are four major uh, oil companies who also control the production of gasoline. And now their gasoline prices have risen to 45 rubles per liter. Liter is about one-fourth of a gallon, uh, approximately, okay? And, and for Russia... And that's that's pretty huge because it's about 60, 62 euro cents per liter, which is really kind of cheap for Latvian standards. Because over here, as we are in the EU, our gasoline costs about euro 10 to euro 15 per liter. Which again, you know, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that you Americans have it cheaper. And in fact, you do, because that's one of the major complaints by the uh, Russian opposition leaders. The fact that, you know, in Texas and in America... Uh, the gasoline is now cheaper per liter than in Russia, even though Russia has way larger oil reserves and everything. So what we see here right now is um, an advancement of propaganda trying to control the past, like, you know, directly from 1984, together with an objective worsening of the economical situation because gasoline prices directly influence the prices of literally everything else. How does this influence our show? Why am I speaking about this? Because this is the most important current problem. Like the Babchenko affair has like gone away. No one speaks about it anymore. Everyone's just concerned about gasoline prices. And secondly, because uh, this was one of the things that Putin answered in his um, his live live TV show. Yeah, because this all ties in. In Russia, there is this show, if you can call it that way, which is... Um, which is basically the live telebridge, I, so, I suppose. It's called Telemost. It's like, you know, TV bridge, where uh, President Putin is supposed to directly answer to the questions of the viewers and, you know, the questions sent in to him by the viewers in live television. How live was it? Well, it was weird. It happened for the 18th time, I think. This year, and uh, if previously these telebridges have been a parody of democracy, then this year it became a parody of a parody. And again, yeah, this all ties into my show and what I've said before. Because we will come to some nice conclusions at the end, and about how the show is going to go and everything. But yeah, now now I just, just must tell you about the Putin's telebridge. And keep in mind the fact that I told you about their destroying of historical documents... And the fact that their gasoline prices are rising. You see, normally these uh, Putin's live live performances are kind of um, unscripted. They used to be, at least. There were, of course, vetted questions and everything. But there were a bunch of journalists in the room who got to ask, like, actually free questions. Um, So-called, ironically, the best people in Russia were, in, were invited as well. Same as Dmitry Potapenko, whom I interviewed, and a bunch of prominent journalists from the stations that I listened to, Echo Moskvy and uh, Radio Svoboda, like all, all the big guys. They were, they were invited even though they were opposition oppositionaries and uh, even the kind of the Fox presidential candidate, yeah, she was never going to get elected, Ksenia Sabchak, uh, she was like uh, a, year, a year or two ago, she actually ro rose up during one of these segments of... Uh, this Putin's telebridge, 
and asked a really kind of sharp question. And these are the kind of questions that they ask are usually usually those that don't matter for uh, the answers, really, because Putin doesn't give uh, any direct answers uh, strictly. But they're the questions that need to be heard on live television. Just because, you know... Just because sometimes uh, sometimes the answers are are harder to give because they're not prepared before. But Putin usually just avoids avoids confrontation at all and comes with prepared prepared script. Well, and this year was different. This year was um, was stranger. This year Putin just sat alone in front of like with, with his host in the television, and he sat in front of um, of uh, like three huge blocks of screens and those screens showed his governors his ministers and everything some of them didn't even show up really not everybody made it to his uh, as medusa io called it <clears throat> brady bunch government roll call because uh, during his annual live in show the president kind of video conference regional governors and members of the cabinet and the tv audience like everyone got like these these little, you know, where the screen is split up and there was like 12 little squares with, with the important people, except the finance minister, uh, Anton, Anton Shilyanov. Yeah, that, his, his chair was empty. It was going to get kind of crazy. And uh, people were just running late and not even, not even coming to the show, not even coming for the answers because they knew that the answers would just not be coming. They knew previously, previously to airing the show that they would not be asked anything. How? Well, because this time all the questions had been pre pre-written, pre-scripted, and the show itself was heavily edited. It was just—it was obvious that uh, some questions were cut and some things were just just chopped up into pieces and uh, and made strange. And the weirdest thing when I'm mentioning here is that uh, out of all the questions, and and some of them are actual questions, and most of the most of them were about um, were about the gasoline prices. But one of them just struck me just like super odd when the president of the Russian Football Federation was uh, kind of given given the microphone in in uh, this uh, segment there to ask his question, and his question was nothing but praises to Putin about how great he is and how amazing he is, and you know even even the like he went to kick he went to kissing Putin's butt to such a level that even the journalists who were nearby him and giving him the microphone even they were basically stunned about how much you can kiss someone's butt and they were literally asking him okay so that's great but what what is your question and then he just ignored them completely and basically stated that um well, my question is that if Vladimir Putin shall be continuing to be as great as humanly possible as he had before yeah, because of uh, of all the football world championships going on there, and football world championship is is like important too because uh, recently we found out that uh, the cheapest prices to the least you know least popular uh, games involving Russia, by the way, uh, they cost starting from fifty fifty thousand rubles and above. Uh, I translated that into euros. Euros and dollars are approximately the same. Uh, with with like fifty thousand rubles are about six hundred and eighty six euros, which is about seven hundred dollars. That's the cheapest ticket to a football game. Problem is, the average Russian salary is about three hundred and sixty euros per month, which is you know about half of what you need to have uh, to go to a football match.
And I'm not saying that, you know, the tickets to the matches should be cheap. But, um, hey, double the average national salary is also kind of, you know, not the thing for a football match in Saratov, which is not even in Moscow, for the cheapest possible tickets. Cheapest possible tickets. They just go upwards from there. Uh, for for a game between Russia and, uh, what was it, Uruguay? I, I think so, but yeah. Like, from one of the group matches where Russia is playing, where local fans should be most interested in a city that's really not Moscow or St. Petersburg. Yeah, that's really crazy. But anyhow, what Putin said, um, this is the con- condensed version from his uh, TV show, from the stuff that made sense, because he somehow even managed to answer the question which was given to him, and I, I kid you not, this was... Uh, <clears throat> like, in Russian, the, the kind of the beef is called Gavyadina. So he got a question, one of the questions, kind of joke questions that he answered for for the audience was, hey, you know, I got up and he said that, hey, I got to ask a lot of these weird questions. And one of them is, hey, why is why is cow meat called gavyadina? Basically, why is cow meat called beef? And he spent time and he contacted his uh, agriculture minister to answer this question. He took it seriously. Yeah. That was that was that, and and everything else was was completely crazy and photoshopped. In total, what he said, what was like breaking down this whole four and a half hour event, was that in domestic politics, Putin declared that wages are rising, but you know, obviously, admittedly, not for everybody. He also declared that Russia won't introduce a progressive income tax or a sales tax because they don't have it, but the tax system will be adjusted as a necessary anti-poverty measure. He also blamed the raising, rising gasoline prices for mismanagement and said that the government has taken action. He said that Russia won't ban Facebook or Instagram. He said that extremism cases need to be investigated but within reason. Obviously, within reason means, you know, we will investigate that extremism which is not beneficial to us. Putin also said that mortgages should be available to everyone and, we sh- and that Russia should aim for a 7% interest rate on mortgages. And... Um, that for Russia it doesn't make sense in the financial in the financial meaning of the word uh, that Russia will not subsidize electric cars or care for them and that Russians should actually use more gas-powered cars. And uh, the most important thing that happened in the event was Putin was given a question about his successor openly. You know, it's not like they have a democracy or something with presidential elections where people actually, you know, elect their president. He was asked... Well, Mr. Putin, what do you think about your successor? Yeah, it doesn't mean, you know, because uh, in normal democracies, people just like their presidents by, based on their campaigns and their programs and, and their political views and, and everything like that. In Putin's Russia, in live television, it was declared that, hey, hey, uh, you know, no, I will not pick my successor. I will let the people pick the, the successor. So, uh... Apparently, if people can't pick the president, they can obviously pick the president's successor themselves. Yeah, because that's how it works. You, it is very stupid to have presidential elections and then ask the president how will the successor be named on television, in public. Yeah, it was crazy. What's more interesting, though, is uh, kind of Putin's answers on foreign policy. Because, hey, I did follow all the four and a half hours of the whole thing, and it was dreadful. Anyhow, Putin declared that all the West's allegations against Russia, 
about like the airplane and their like aggressive things that they're doing and as we know now the murder of Poland's ex-president which they have released documents on and that there apparently had been a conspiracy to keep that hidden which is also documented but yeah Russians uh, I'll, I'll come back to that later when I get to this but apparently Russians did just blow up uh, Poland's previous president's airplane killing him and 60, 69 or more uh, dignitaries and everyone had been hiding it and it's a bit cr it's crazy but it's gonna hit the news soon because Poland just literally uh, released the information and documents yesterday but, but fine anyhow all these allegations against Russia are a form of containment and apparently we in the West mistakenly mistakenly see Russia as a threat yeah, because when you, you know, invade your neighboring countries and act like a complete douchebag murdering people, then, you know, it's it's not no threat. And apparently, according to Putin, there have been no Third World War, thanks to strategic parity. The United States, according to Putin, are trying to break that peace. But Moscow will not let it. That's serious. And, uh... For some time, according to Putin, again, from, from uh, this is a condensed version, for some time now, many European countries have apparently wanted to lift sanctions against Russia, but, and I, and I, I put, the, put emph emphasis here, <clears throat> these nations aren't, full, aren't fully sovereign, therefore they can't uh, do that. Yeah, because, according to Putin, being in the EU means you've lost your sovereignty means that you have basically, you know, become a slave to someone, even though this is not how it works. Yeah, so he not only managed, you know, not understand why people call him a threat, but managed to call the European nations, uh, you know, not sovereign enough. Um, and he was like, like this close, he was like one step away from saying that we're actually slaves to the United States, and that, you know, it must be Soros Foundation, or, or the Jews, or, or both. Because, you know, literally, he was on that level of, of conspiracy theory crazy. Even though, again, you know, he literally blew up one of the previous presidents of Poland. Hey, who cares? And um, according to Putin, the EU faces trade, trade sanctions from the United States, which is partially true, but it only, only uh, applies to Germany and France, and only to those companies who participate in construction of Putin's Siverny Patok 2, or uh, Nord Stream 2, basically, which is how the Gazprom will try to, you know, manipulate politics with their uh, cheap gas, which is not going to be cheap, because Gazprom has wasted so much money on this, but, but yeah. Uh, he also stated that even though, you know, even though he had previously stated that Russia will withdraw from Syria, that the, the war against ISIS had been won uh, about three times now, actually, and that um, that the Russians will leave and that the war has been won, how great he is for, like, winning the whole thing because, yay, go Russia. Uh, he, in this live stream, stated that, quote, Russian troops will remain in Syria for as long as it benefits Russia. Yeah, he had declared the complete like leaving of Russia of in Syria like three times now, but but yeah. Also, he obviously stated that the European Union should be ashamed for the fact that there are stateless persons in the Baltic states, which is like, hey, my my, my part of town. But these stateless persons are basically people who have refused to learn our language while living twenty five and more years since the collapse in Latvia and Estonia and Lithuania too. 
because, hey, at that time they thought that this whole collapse thing will last about two weeks. You know, independence will never stick around, so why would I bother learning Latvian? So they never did. So that is why they are stateless people there. Uh, they're, they're, they're obviously becoming extinct and very quickly because all the new generation, they're all our Latvian citizens and they all knew Lat, they all know Latvian, but, uh, but hey, it's kind of a, kind of a crime now, but, but fine. And also, Putin stated that Ukraine is unable to resolve problems in the separatist held East. So Russia might actually help them in a way. Which is crazy, because um, in this live stream, Putin once again just basically stated that he shall be <clears throat> doing what is best for Ukraine, because we respect their, sovere uh, their sovereignty and territorial integrity. Yeah, thanks a lot. Not talking about Crimea here, but Putin is basically trying to get rid of all these painful Donetsk and Lugansk republics, all these separatist republics as fast as humanly possible, because now they're costing him and hurting him more than what it really takes to kind of uh, keep them up and keep them going. Also, uh, he declared finally that the government doesn't plan to free Oleg Sintsov or trade him for any Russian citizens not jailed in Ukraine. Now, why is this important? This is really important, actually. This is important because Oleg Sintsov whom you might not have never heard of, is a Ukrainian. Well, technically he is... Technically he is a Russian now, because um, he was in Crimea, and he was in a kind of a far-left group who were protesting against Russia's actions. Because both, both this was kind of weird. What he did was he burned down a door... He set fire to a door in an office, like outside door, uh, but he was sued for that and for, quote, bl planning to blow up a statue of Lenin. Which he never did, obviously. Now, this is normally a case of hooliganism, and you could get, like, up to six months in prison, but due to the fact that uh, the procurator's office stated that he had also planned to do massive terror attacks, and that, you know, they did it in a group and everything, he got, basically, for hooliganism, he got 20 years in prison. 20 years for hooliganism and completely imaginary blowing up of some Lenin statues, which is not what the far left would do, because obviously he was a far left activist. Far left activists usually, you know, kind of like all this uh, red revolution ideas and they're quite happily looking at the Soviet Union, which I criticize them for, because they tend to not admit the Soviet mistakes, but honestly... Blowing up statues of Lenin is not what far-left activists would do. Yet he got sued for it, for planning to do that, and got in prison for 20 years. He was also a um, movie director. Sort of. He had only produced shorts, but, you know, he's kind of known as a Ukrainian movie director. Uh, he got this prison sentence because uh, the court declared that he now has Russian citizenship because he was tried in Russia because he lived in Crimea and he had never uh, taken up the Russian citizenship he was still a citizen of Ukraine so they automatically gave him Russian citizenship and for his actions sent him to 20 years in Siberia where he has started a hunger strike and now uh, like massive protest actions happened last week all over the world by Ukrainian activists to get him, get him out to like you know trade him for for because the, there are some Russian journalists which I don't really approve of because journalism is uh, is a great profession. Journalists need to be free if they're real journalists, obviously. But there are some of those who are accused well for well accused for like state treason and working with uh, the Russian secret service agencies uh, in Ukraine, 
and there was a proposal in this live stream to trade him for one of those. And he said that he will not trade Russian citizens away, even though this uh, this Stepanenko guy was basically made a Russian citizen against his own will. So if you if you hear anything about Stepanenko, then you know at least you know that this is a person who's now on his now on hunger strike. His uh, according to live streams and what we've heard from um, kind of more opposition-leaning journalism, uh, he he has basically his, his hair are starting to fall out and he's he's losing his teeth too. He's really down and there's a large probability that he'll just die in prison. But then again, even though you know I'm not a far left kind of guy, and uh, even though I'm I'm not a huge fan of of. Uh, <laughs> Of, of radicalism, but hey, sentencing someone to 20 years in prison for burning a door, for setting a fire to a door of an office building, now that is a bit too much. This totally makes sense if you look at the country where, like I said in the previous segment, they're burning up cards uh, pertaining to Gulag and, and destroying historical evidence, while at the same time being busy with propaganda. It all comes down to forging this inner inner thing there. And uh, this comes back to my episodes on the Gulag. Like the Gulag series, which were really good, I think. And the last one, especially the inner Gulag. Because Russia is now trying to build this atmosphere of uh, a happy prison. Prison is good. Why not prison? See, uh, and this was given directly to me by, by my QA guy. Hello. Uh, but... Uh, Essentially, what happens is that they want to build the situation where people lose all their agency. They lose their agency, they lose their idea of, you know, citizen society. Recently, there were, um, in Krasnodar, there were some people who basically, you know, uh, we have the system here in Latvia as well, and I'm sure you have it in the States, where uh, if, if a company is building a new kind of an apartment building with a lot of uh, flats there, then you can buy the flats while while the building is still being built. You know, you kind of you kind of pay up money. Uh, you kind of pay up pay less for an apartment, but you have to wait until the apartment's kind of done and and stuff like that. You, you kind of invest in the building project, but then you get the apartment cheaper. In Russia, the local tendencies lately have been that these people have not received their homes, obviously due to the massive corruption. And you know, they pay their money. They often mortgage their own, like previous flats that they were living in, to buy the new ones for cheaper price. But the apartments never get done, and nobody gets sued. So people get thrown out of their homes, and they lost their money, and they don't have anywhere to live. So people in Krasnodar. They decided to protest this. They decided to protest against this complete lack of governmental regulations and this kind of madness and, you know, fraud by the private companies. So what did they do? They they went to the war memorial, World War II memorial, and uh, they basically voiced their protests to Mr. Putin and, and they, they said about their harsh conditions. And in the end, they all kneeled and begged for their president to help them. Now imagine that for a second. Imagine if if you're an American, imagine someone kneeling down to ask something of Mr. Trump and airing it publicly. Imagine if you live in in like France to go to Macron and and kneel down and and, and voice this and like he's your president, but he's not yours, like the Tsar's back baby, so to speak. And that's that's kind of scary because because this this shows that uh, this whole propaganda of turning the country again to, into a massive prison is just working just fine. 
because you know and you can you can find that the youtube video on the internet really i just uh uh I'll look up look up people people kneeling for putin asking for aid or something of that sort but yeah it's a sad country where people who have elected their own president and thus you know should demand things from him and demand order are instead kneeling down and begging help from their own elected officials just like they would do for a czar, for an authoritarian leader. This has happened. And there was a movie, there was a movie in the Soviet era called uh, Gentlemen Udachi, or, or something of that sort, The Gentleman's of Fortune, essentially. Uh, the story was that um, a, mafia boss and, a mafia boss and a kindergarten director, you know, a principal in a kindergarten, that apparently they looked exactly the same, and so, as a special operation, they were they were swapped in places, and this kindergarten principal had to pretend to be this uh, this this criminal authority, just you know dig up things and get get people arrested. And it was like oh, it was it was a wacky comedy. But one line there happened from one of the guys who were kind of the, one of these prisoners, and he got he gets released, and he starts working a day job. And one of his lines was that um was that, oh well, this work is hard. Right now they're giving macaroni with cheese in prison. I miss prison. That's the thing. That was a joke then. That was, that was, uh, that was, pa that, that, that was a funny joke, really, if you think about it in the sense of the movie, but, but it kind of shows the attitude. I mean, what, to, to what situation you must come down to, it's like, the opposition journalists and me too, we kind of link, link this to basically, Restoration of serfdom or something. Because this whole live stream event and Putin's attitude towards it. And the kneeling down and the destruction of history because, you know, like in 1984 book, he who controls the past controls the future, he who controls now controls the past. All this is just going crazy. And people have been calling me for the past two years and this comes back to the podcast history. People have been calling me like a Russophobe or that, you know, uh, kind of my hatred towards... I don't hate Russians at all. I, I speak with them. I love them. Uh, like, I have relatives living in Russia, after all. But I can't understand some things about Russia and their government and the fact that how the people have allowed themselves to become serfs. I can understand how that could happen because, you know, in the 90s, there was a threat that something could happen here. We also were afraid of our politicians. We also were afraid, and uh, the kind of the view on our politicians were, were was not like on an elected official. But what happened over in the state over from the Soviet era was that if you're a politician, then you're some sort of special case, that you're some sort of a special person who just got there, and that whom whom we must bow down to now. Not our elected representatives, not the representatives of our will, but some sort of divine caste of, of, of prescribed people who will now lead us to happiness and that we don't have to do anything. Because that's that's the curse here. Like, right now it's changing, at least in Latvia it is. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Estonia and Lithuania follow suit, and, and like, it's way better in Poland. But uh, the older generation, a lot of these people, they... they they are afraid of. They're afraid of responsibility. They're. Uh, they are afraid of freedom, because that means they're gonna have to think for themselves, 
And a lot of the times that's why they teach their kids not to become entrepreneurs or, you know, start their own crazy project. Like, hey, make a podcast, try to make a living on the internet. It's going to be great. It's going to be hard and, and you're going to get hate mail, but fine, you can do that like I did. But in short, it's a servant's mentality. It's a mentality of someone who want, just wants to serve, wants to be, be told what he must do now. And I'm not talking in the military sense. Obviously, it's different from the military. And no offense, guys, but... uh. I'm talking in the general life, I mean, as a military person, you follow your or orders. But when you are not in the military, you still get to vote for your president, you still get to vote in the elections, you still have an agency. But now it seems that Putin has, like, shown in his um, this live stream that Russian people no longer have any agency or that Putin doesn't care about them, and the Russian people themselves are now slowly giving away their agency. So yeah, we're gonna see a neat, nice battle between the fridge and the TV there soon enough. I, however, am more concerned about the burning of documents, though. But I'll, I'll carry on with that work. What I don't want to become is that a lot of people have called this podcast a bit biased. Well, obviously, it, it, it actually is a bit. I try to be objective, I try to explain things thoroughly, especially in later episodes, because I think I've improved lately. But I obviously am biased. I do not hide the fact that I do not like Putin's government. I do not like authoritarianism. I do not like oppression. I am I'm a stoic and a neo-prudentist, so to speak, in the Dan Carlin sense of the word, where I believe in the most rational reasoning and solution of problems. I like to hear arguments of all sides. I like arguments and debate and reason before any political ideology first. So, never, never hid that fact, but apparently uh, some of my listeners here are very, very concerned about the fact that, oh, you are anti-Russia and very Russophobic. Well, I'm not, really. If you have listened to this show to uh, at any length, really, and if you listen to a couple of episodes, you will surely get that uh, it's not Russians that I have a problem with. It's their government. And sadly, their government right now is creeping into their lives. But yeah, as a side note, uh, if you have not yet read Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, or for himself, as it's in Latvian edition in proper tile, please do. Marcus Aurelius' Meditations is one of the greatest books that will keep you uh, going through any hardship whatsoever and offers some really great food for thought. So, please do. It's, it's, it's on public domain. You can get it on, like, gutenberg.org or any other webpage for free in a PDF form. Please do listen to that. That's a philosophical side note. But um, I'm still going back to current events in, in, in Russia, just for comparison and uh, where the podcast is going to go. Because, yeah, I have a Stalin episode. We're going to continue the historical stuff and everything. Don't, don't worry about that. But, yeah, once per month, one episode per month shall be dedicated to current Russian news because, because of popular demand, that's one. And two, because I need to keep my journalist game up. I think it's really better to give you guys some real information from Russia... With, with sources and everything unfiltered through, you know, what they release in press releases for the Western media. That is why I'm doing this. I'm sorry for uh, the lack of historical episodes lately. Like, what, are three? Like, this is the third episode in a row that's not about history. <laughs> but we'll get back to them. Don't worry. This was supposed to be a historical episode, but we hit an anniversary, and then crazy things happen in Russia. So we are where we are now. Anyhow... On the more fun note, because um, if I'm hitting Russia and, and talking about stuff, then I would like to um, 
I would like to actually speak about the, the funnier things that have happened in, in Russia lately because they're all terrible and they're all really sad. I mean, there have been some events which didn't make it in the last episode and I'm pretty much done with the philosophical stuff with the internal prison. Even though some of these things that I'll be speaking about to next are, are kind of involved in that. But uh, hey, this is my anniversary episode. I can I can have some funny stuff here. But yeah, so uh, now, now for our Meanwhile in Russia segment. Because at some point I do have to put these things in because I have this nice list. And yeah, a bit of a background for, for those who maybe, maybe are not here listening to the show all the time. Uh, I have this nice list of things that are just happening around in the historical sense about new research and uh, current events, both like fun stuff that happens in Russia and in Baltics and, and like Eastern Europe in general. And a lot of stuff just doesn't make the show. So uh, let me introduce you to the cutting room floor, which was supposed to be here but wasn't. Just so you know that you know not ev- not everything that's happening in Russia is dreadful and terrible, except that sometimes it is, but it's really funny. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So a few things that really um, that that really will uh, will not fit anywhere else in any show or episode ever, but that actually happen. For one, in Russia, you know, there's this Russian Orthodox Church with their own autocephalous patriarch, and they have to, like any other church, they don't pay taxes, but they have to follow the governmental rules on churches. You know, they have those. Okay. And one of those rules is that the government uh, is now demanding that every church should have a bathroom. It's a reasonable request, really, because, you know, at least in Latvia, that's pretty normal. And I've been to Sweden, to a Lutheran church there. Uh, thank you, Per. I'm really, uh, really happy about how you hosted me there. Oh, hi, Per, by the way. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and they had a bathroom, and having bathroom in a public building, including a church... As you know, that, that's 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 kind of normal. You would expect a, a building where, where a public building where people are congregating to actually have you know uh, a bathroom for for people to use. But apparently, there uh, there has been a signed petition in Russia with over seven hundred thousand signatures, seven hundred thousand signatures, which are now uh, petitioning against this law so that it would be dropped so that these people would not have to install bathrooms in uh, Russian Orthodox churches in Russia. Even though most of them have bathrooms, because one, it makes sense, and second, in the Soviet era, it was just mandatory. 
just as happiness, so they had to put them in. But no one cared then, but right now they're petitioning against it, and they're, they're, um, their argument against having bathrooms in their own Orthodox churches, and uh, there's a difference between Lutheran uh, services and Orthodox services, is that, uh, for example, in Orthodox services you do not st- you do not sit at all. They do not have like these stools or or chairs to sit down on, because uh, in Orthodox services people just stand or kneel. There are no chairs. You're not supposed to sit in an Orthodox church. Yeah, that's a thing that you you might have not known, and I know I have uh, quite a few Orthodox listeners, uh, including from the United States. They, they'll know that, but still, it's pretty shocking that uh, <clears throat> the the Russian Orthodox Church has endorsed this petition of people trying to get rid of bathrooms. They kind of very politely choose to not go to bathrooms at all. Uh, their argument is that... <clears throat> According to the Bible, according to them, they're the authors of this petition, according to the Bible and through the reports of people who have experienced near-death experiences, the hell smells like sulfur or, or you know, the kind of the acetone smell, kind of, uh, the hell smells like the place, you know, of, of the pit of, of, you know, human waste, essentially, and that is why that is where the Antichrist and the devil shall come up, and at the end of days. So you know, putting churches in bathrooms, according to them, is blasphemy because that's like inviting the devil to the church. That is kind of silly, I think personally. Uh, no disrespect to the Orthodox guys, and I'm pretty sure that you know you uh, Orthodox people outside of, of Russia. Or, you know, Orthodox people who are not a bit strange would, would agree that um, that's, that's, that's not how uh, Holy Scripture works, for starters. That's, uh, that's, that's not how you're, you're supposed to, you know, directly and literally take anything, anything there. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, uh, that, that, that God would not want uh, his followers to, you know, suffer through without peeing for five hours straight, which is how long an Orthodox Eastern Mass is, for example. But, but hey, that's not even the craziest stuff. Another thing that happened, uh, again, in this uh, same Meanwhile Russia segment, is that, oh boy, the Russian TV basically added an extra smile to Kim Jong-un's face. And this is, this is good, because the weekly news show, Vestin Delhi, on the TV network Russia Jin, basically the first the first Russian channel, it's like, you know, the public television, aired, well, they have aired pretty crazy stuff over the years already, but, um, hey, the host of that show, who's an outspoken pro-Kremlin guy, Dmitry Kiselyov, yeah, he, of the fame of bragging about Russia's unique ability to turn the United States into radioactive ash, and then uh, later on, he accidentally, <clears throat> accidentally compared Barack Obama to a jungle monkey. Yeah, that's that's the, the like the most known host of Russia's most prominent news network and channel, who has uh, basically you know stated that uh, he he will turn the U.S. into radioactive ash and compared Barack Obama to a jungle monkey. And then and then and then people uh, like you know make racism scandals in the United States while yeah this this happens and he hasn't lost his job he's still there, but anyways all the all the insanity because not not all the insanity that's happened there they're just 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 gone downhill since forever really see on June the third the show's um, 
I don't know how to call them. Photoshop magicians. Yes, Photoshop magicians. Yeah, these guys edited a photograph of um, of Kim Jong-un. You know, short guy, has nukes, runs North Korea. Not a very nice person. Basically, he, they edited the photos of him to show him smiling when shaking hands with, um, with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, who had traveled to Pyongyang on May 31st. In the original photograph, Lavrov uh, had his, like, you know, stay st- standard diplomatic smile, while Kim was frowning seriously. These guys decided to edit this photo, <laughs> this photo, to show that Kim Jong-un was also smiling. And it was completely unclear why, why these guys decided to do so, because there were other moments during the Kim Jong-un and Lavrov's meeting when the Nor- North Korean leader did kind of smile, almost anything. But yeah, this has been on the internet. But uh, Dmitry Kiselyov, our nice propaganda guy, has denied that his team altered the image in, in the, this image. Because uh, uh, this is his explanation. <clears throat> Photographers took so many pictures and, you know, fast, uh, like, like fast frame photographies that some photos from roughly the same moment captured different facial expressions. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, professional press photos sometimes sometimes take these fast frame photos, like, you know, 100, 100 photos for, like, like, more than one photo per second. They just capture, like, a ton of photos and then the best one's picked. But, but no, no, this is, this is what not happened. Because you can, like, literally look at the video footage of the same event and, and you can, you can just, just see how this is weird. And, uh, again, we're moving on because, um, recently, Another Russian journalist, who is not Dmitry Kiselyov, just lost her job for granting interview to an independent TV station. The Nizhnevartovsk television station N1 fired a journalist, Andra Teriokova, Alexandra Teriokova, <clears throat> and her program producer on, on, on Friday, the 8th of June, after she granted an interview to the independent TV channel Dozhj, which means rain, by the way. On June 6, Doj aired a segment about a concert at a kindergarten in the city, where children performed um, this nice Uncle Vova We're With You song. I've spoken about that in previous episodes. It's hilarious on its own. It's like, you know, little kids being told that they're going to conquer Alaska one day, and, and how, you know, if the president's going to call them for the final fight, they're totally die for him. It's, gonna, it's amazing. It's a song of such patriotism that, that uh, you know, even the Soviet leaders would be ashamed. Anyhow, this journalist's daughter, Terikova's daughter, she, she was part of the show. And, and you know, she, she granted an interview to this independent TV station. And the station general director said that Terikova was let go because of her, quote, political ambitions. On Instagram, Terikova shared a photograph of her resignation letter where she wrote, quote, <clears throat> I ought to be dismissed for my excessively active civil position and for political disagreements with the TV station's editors. The uh, N1 director, Rinat Karimov, was, uh, was a bit sharper when the website ura.ru asked him to comment on, on this, this whole situation. And he said, quote, You know we're a private TV channel, though this is none of your business. Why? Well, because, hey, this is, this is how life is in, in uh, Putin's Russia. If you, if, you do not, if you do not spend a lot of time basically praising Putin, then um, let's just say you're not very welcome. Thank you for listening. This has been our uh, political philosophical episode. Hope you like the weirdest segments, too. Because, you know, sometimes I just don't know where to put the funny stories that I, that I read. Funny and a bit crazy. I hope it made you think about the fact that uh, you also should consider whatever country you live in 
to make sure you never lose agency. Because right now what's happening in Russia and what happened in the Soviet Union should be a lesson to all of us. I do not make these stories, I do not make this show to scare people, to be shocking, or, or you know, to do, to, you know, tell you, hey, look what Putin did this time. No, no, no. What I do them for is because I want people to, you know, get better, get information, to understand that life can be different, life can be strange, and there can be an occasion where you will need to excise your civilian citizen freedoms. It's kind of crazy, it's, you know, <laughs> liberty or death thing, but um, I'd rather you guys pick liberty. Because uh, people need to think for themselves, and I feel really hurt when people just don't. People just choose not to think, not to evaluate information, just to take things at face value often without thinking, making rash decisions and not 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 pondering about them, making them, making things happen without wisdom. Yeah, again, I'm kind of quoting Dan Carroll here, but I, I kind of want to follow up this, but you see, wisdom's important. You need to have it to make proper decisions, to make things go the right way. And it's, hey, it's, it's a simple matter of, you know, actually it's really simple, just, you know, if it's not right, don't do it. If it's not, they're not true, don't say it. And then people wouldn't get into trouble. But they do. People are greedy and, and, and weak sometimes, and I don't want you guys to be that way. I want you guys to kind of uh, listen to the show, listen, learn about the Soviet Union and my region and everything. I, and I tell you the true stories about what happened and what is happening but I want you all to also kind of improve as, as people. I want the show to be helpful. I want the show to, you know, make you make you better people, like so that you don't feel like you're wasting your time when you're listening to it. I wish you actually take something away from the show. So it's all crazy. The world's crazy. The world has been crazy. People uh like the events have changed, the our our amount of knowledge has changed, but people I don't think people have changed. I don't actually, you know, believe in the whole, like, we're going to progress. Yeah, sure, we are moving to progress, but like I said in the beginning, when people speak about progress, it's often not progress for humanity. It's progress for a select corporation who will then sell this progress to everyone at a discount rate for four ninety nine a piece, if you're lucky. Maybe, maybe four ninety nine per month, too, I don't know. So we must be careful when we are considering about when we're considering current events when we're thinking about them. Just watch out and, and to make sure that you know it's our duty, kind of as citizens, to make sure that progress happens to us as well, and not to select cliques who run the government or to select groups who are running corporations. Because as much as I, well, you know, uh, it might sound kind of weird, but yeah, uh, according to statistics, 40% of you listeners are libertarians, 30% are Democrats, and 30% are Republicans, at least from the United States, so I've got a pretty even listenership. That is why I kind of don't want to criticize any any pos position there, and I stick to my own, which is, like I said, neoprudentism. But yeah, this is where I kind of agree a bit to my libertarian listeners, the fact that people need to have more agency. More agency is always better than less agency. Now I might might not disagree with those guys with um, with parts about how they you know view some governmental benefits and what government should do sometimes sometimes they, but from a neo prudentist standpoint yeah more people more agency of the people smarter people better people people who learn people who know that is always better than a less agency of the people because if you take away this agency then you become no better than than those guys who basically kneel down to beg for their president, not their king, not their czar, their president, to aid them. And that's really sad, and 
when I speak about these current events uh, or or past, that is what I really want you to take away. And I suppose I I should have been like being been being more clear about that. But I want you guys to think. At the end, uh, I want this podcast to at least you know provoke some thinking to make you better people to feel like you're not wasting your time. This is a job to make it. Sure, it's hard and difficult and not always easy, but um, but as my goal has always been, you know, enter- to entertain you for first and foremost, because you know I don't want you to get bored, and secondly, to, to educate you a bit, to to make you think. I, I can't really claim any kind of you know. I'm I'm not saying that I you know I'm I'm giving you these facts and I'm sort of a teacher or anything. No, I'm not. Uh, but what I can do is provoke some thoughts, and if I do. And if you start maybe thinking about stuff differently and maybe you learn more about the world or, you know, you, you, you compare what's going on, what was happening in the Soviet Union, what happened there, what happens now in Russia to, to your own country. And if you think about your political things and you start, you know, thinking about your own life a bit differently, about your agencies and stuff, then, then I've done something. Thank you. Thank you for these past two years. They've been great. And let's look on to the future. The show will go on, obviously. Happiness is mandatory. До свидания, товарищи. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The darkness awaits.